0: Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. episode number 50. I am David Lane, and this is Life in the Pit, and I'm just really amazed that this podcast has made it to to 50 episodes. One of the first statistics that I heard when I got started, and I heard it reiterated just this past week, is that three quarters of all podcasts that are out there never made it past nine episodes. And uh, I'm just really pleased that we've made that and we're still going and we've had some great guests and i had a really special way that i wanted to celebrate episode number 50 so what you just heard right after the introduction music was a clip from the 2019 Atlanta Musical Theater Festival that was from act 2 of the Collins boy and If you've been listening to this podcast, I'm just going to go ahead and say, if you've listened to any five random episodes, you've heard me mention this show at least once. Uh, This past week was the fifth anniversary of me joining this production that has been in progress for some time. Um, But it takes each production a long time if it's going to arrive. That was Lisa Howard and Tony Galdi bringing down the house with the duet, from Act 2 called All For Him. And I left that applause in there because I wanted you to hear that and compare that to the very first crowd that the Collins boy had that Brad Bass and Carrie Joy are going to tell you about. So real quickly, uh, before we go on, it's a big help if you haven't done so already to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get it and also to leave a five-star review uh, if you haven't done that or just the rating itself. It's a big help to just help us be seen by others. You can also visit davidlanemusic.com slash podcast and find all of the episodes. You can also leave me feedback. And there is a donate button, which is thus far the only source of revenue for this podcast. All right, well, let's get to episode 50. I've known for some time that I wanted this to be the specific episode. Uh, In the world of pit music, I guess it's not a very big thing i'm not talking to uh you know broadway musicians this episode but when i think about why am i even doing this podcast why am i still active in theater after 10 continuous years well five years ago i wasn't too sure how much longer i would keep doing this i it's not theater it's me i have a bit of a short attention span when it comes to some things like this um to keep me going on something, I have to have some profound experiences and being invited to be the, at first the arranger and then the music director for the Collins boy has been a profound experience meeting and working with Brad Bass and Carrie joy, uh, not just on this, but on some other projects that we'll talk about. This has been just what I needed when I needed it. And it really exposed me to Equity Actors, to, uh, to New York, and just this wonderful process of what I think, honestly, and even taking my bias out of it, I think this is a very good show. I don't think any of us are bold enough to say that you are definitely going to be able to go to Broadway someday and, and watch this show. I, I think we would all agree, and by we, I mean those who have been in this show those who have seen the show in person. I think nobody will say it shouldn't be on Broadway, but the politics of getting on Broadway are rather tricky. But I, th- I feel with great confidence this show is going to have a full production somewhere. At some point, I'm going to be able to come on this podcast and tell you which city you can go to see the premiere of The Collins Boy. And it started several years ago, with brad bass and carrie joy who have been my partners for five years and they've become my friends and so i wanted to just for episode 50 give you the birth and development of a show a show that's been special to me the creator of this podcast and just give you a little insight in case you've ever wanted to write a musical how do you go about getting it developed what does it take well let's talk about all of that now for the first time ever i have two guests on this show my friends Brad Bass and Carrie Joy. I feel like Brad, we always in these environments, it seems like you always go first. I'm gonna let Carrie go first.
1: I was <laughs> gonna say that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, uh, how did you how did you get into music? How did you get into theater? Just tell us a little bit about your early life.
2: Um, so I was a really shy kid. Um, and I always had an affinity towards music. I started playing piano when I was five and it kind of became like a friend. Hmm. Um, and I was very shy, went to private school and there was only like four other kids in my class and have a whole lot of friends. And my, my, I think it was my dad actually that thought that like getting me involved in theater or like music lessons would be, you know, a, a good way for me to get out of my head and, you know, out of my shell and that's and I started taking um, theater lessons in my community, in my township and got more involved in music. And I just stuck. And piano always was like a source of uh, um, always gave me like a source of calm and and like this like deep happiness, even from a very small child. Um, and yeah, I just always once I started, I, I, I never looked back
0: nice when did you start writing songs though
2: so again kind of going along with being this like introverted in my head kid i i was always writing poems mm-hmm. um and 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 just like journaling like always and um so then i just started like thought oh like i wasn't really good at expressing myself
0: mm-hmm.
2: verbally like outwardly so i would that's why i wrote and then i would sit down and Like just mess around with like a tune on the piano and then i was like oh that would be super cool if i could like try to put these thoughts on like on the piano and um i guess i was like 11 or 12
3: when i started
2: really writing and it was like super cathartic and also super like satisfying like i was able to say what i meant and then i could sing it to somebody and then i was like this is how i feel well, yeah,
0: you've already—I I can tell—you've always been able to express yourself when profound moments in your life have happened. Like you had a song, I think you shared, that was after nine eleven, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, you know, I know before you got married, you know, you you had a song, you know, for Corky. Yep. So, um, and and I know there have been other moments along the way that songwriting has been how you've been able to get that out.
2: Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. And and when other ways don't work, I mean, especially 9-11, I was completely shut down emotionally. I couldn't talk about how I felt. Um, and even, you know, in, in times of great joy, like with quirky and, you know, my relationship with him and, and leading up to our, our wedding, he knows how much I love him and I, I can say the words, but I can always get them out way more eloquently through songwriting.
0: Right. Uh, and, and Brad, you you started your Broadway career in some little-known show off in an alley somewhere, right? <laughs> um, yeah,
1: nobody's anybody's ever heard of it.
0: No. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Wicked, right? I think so. We you uh, was that your first show?
1: <laughs> that was my first Broadway show. Yeah. Okay, that was and the you, first one I did.
0: And you got there by way of like a tobacco farm in Virginia, or, or am I saying that wrong? <laughs>
1: No, you're saying that exactly right. I mean, it didn't lead me directly to Wicked, but I mean, I grew up on a tobacco farm uh, in the middle of absolutely nowhere with no theater in sight. And I just was lucky enough to go to New York at 13 and see my first Broadway show, and it changed my life. And I thought, I'm going to do that. And Mm -hmm. I kind of like bought every kind of CD I could find and read every play and um, just knew that I wanted to move to New York to be myself and to try this because I had a passion for it. Um, I, the, I had only done one show ever before I, my high school. in my senior year, we did one show, and then my, the next show I ever did was my first professional show. Isn't That's, that crazy? <laughs>
0: so your, weird. Your second production was wicked. That's just that is amazing. <laughs> oh no, no, no! It
1: wasn't. It wasn't wicked. It was. Oh. It was uh, regional theater, but still, oh, you know, nice. okay. kind of crazy. I got wicked a few years later.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, what was your first regional show?
1: My first regional show was The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Hmm. And it was, it's one of my favorites nice.
0: ever. I came to yeah, see it. You. you certainly did. I saw it, yep. Well, what, okay. And it's so funny. When did you I guys I wanted m- to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, uh, go ahead. When did you guys meet?
2: You want to take it?
0: <laughs> you take it.
2: <laughs> so we both went to AMDA, American Music Dramatic Academy. And in 1999. 19- 99, and the second I met Brad, I knew this is going to be my best friend for my life. Uh, it really did happen that way. Um, it
1: really did. It actually up, really did. It really yeah. did. Um,
2: yeah, that's we just, where we met. We
1: just like, we just connected right away.
2: Yep. Wow. Yep. And I remember I I, I was, I had to leave after only a semester. Brad finished um, finished going to school there, but I had to leave after a semester. And I remember so vividly. Balling my eyes out in the hall, in the, um, the stairway.
1: stairwell, yeah.
2: <laughs> Brad. Yeah. And he was like, this, we're not done. Like we're going to be, we're lifelong friends. We're not, you're, I might be leaving the school, but we're not leaving each other. And that's just how it always was.
0: Nice. And, uh, and then Brad, you had a, you had a couple more shows after Wicked. Um, so, so, I mean, Wicked kept going. So I guess at some point you just said, I need to change or how that, how did that work?
1: Well, you know, I got cast in the Chicago company of Wicked first, and um, that was such an extraordinary time in my life. It was like my I was I went from like having eighty six dollars to my name to like being able to pay all my bills and fly my (laughs) friends to see me and take a vacation. And, um, And it was just a magical time living in Chicago. And. I was I was there for um, maybe a, little, a year and a half. I'm so terrible with time. And then I got a call when I was actually in the hospital. I got a MRSA staph infection. It was crazy. <laughs> but while I was in the hospital, the casting director of Wicked called me and said, hey, I hope you're feeling better. How would you like to make your Broadway debut? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he was like, it's not a done deal yet. But um I wanted to know if you were interested, and I was like, "Well, that's been the goal since I was 13. So right. let's do it." And and it happened. Yeah.
0: And how old were you when that happened?
1: I, I had I had made a decision actually. I'd been working regionally and did an off-Broadway show, a national tour, but I really, really wanted to, you know, hit it big time so I could like really make this as my career. And um, I had decided if by the time I turned 26 that didn't happen, I was going to quit the business. And I was 25 nice. and a half
0: when it happened. So, yeah. so you basically doubled your age from the time you set your <laughs> goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. nice. And uh, and then so after Wicked, uh, you, I mean, you had, um, I don't know the order. You, you had Jersey Boys, you had Memphis, was it?
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, this is kind of going back to what you said. I was doing Wicked on Broadway um, to finish answering your question. And I was just, it was a really different experience than doing it in Chicago. In Chicago, it was lovely and everyone was kind and, in New York, no offense, you guys, if you're hearing this, but a lot of them were bitter and tired and the theater was gross. And, uh, it just, it just, that Broadway debut was not everything that I had been dreaming about. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and so after about a year, I was just really wanting to do something else. And I got an agent and he was like, Brad there's this new musical called Memphis. I think it's about a cowboy and you're the closest cowboy I can find to anybody <laughs> here in New York. You need to go in for it. It was not about a cowboy <laughs> at all. Nice. It was about um you know this this guy from Memphis who loved race music which was you know rock and roll music and sung by black people and it was he made it his mission in life to get it heard and um the first time I heard the song music of my soul I was like I have to sing the song. I walked into the audition. They wanted my own song. I said, no, 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 I'm singing your song. And I sang uh, the music of my soul, and then I booked that gig. And it was an out-of-town tryout in La Jolla, California, and in Seattle. It was a pre-Broadway run. So I just took a chance and ran with it. And Nice. I had the great fortune of being able to do it on Broadway, too.
0: Nice. Now, are you on the cast recording of that? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. So I I confess I had not... uh, I had not listened to Memphis before this past week, and I was like, "Well, I, I need to finally listen to it before I talk to you." So uh, it's great, you know. And, and of course, I can't pick out your voice in there, which means that the engineers did their job, <laughs> you know, at least in the ensemble and all that. But uh, absolutely, but yeah, it's but it's, yeah. gr- but it's great music. I haven't had a chance to see the show, so um, you know, hopefully someday. I'll I'm also
1: chance. in the filmed version. If you watch the Broadway version that was filmed, you'll see little old me. Okay. In the show
0: great
1: i had more hair then and i was much thinner
0: Uh, (laughs) well i was much thinner i guess uh you know a while back but it's been so long since i could say i had more hair (laughs) it's been too long
1: i'm just rocking the bald
0: yeah um and then and then you you had one more more show before you ended up uh, doing something different. So I guess, was that uh, Jersey Boys? That
1: was Jersey Boys, yeah. yeah. I, I After about three years of Memphis, I was ready to do something else and wrote the casting director of Jersey Boys. And I was like, you really liked me a long time ago. I want to be a swing. I want to be in the show. And two weeks later, I got the gig on Broadway. It was just wild. Nice. It ended up being the worst year of my life. Mm. But... In in reality, it was the best year of my life because it changed my path. And and now I'm like just a much happier, more contented human being, you know.
0: Right. Uh, one thing I love about your story is that you set a pretty lofty goal for yourself when you were in basically middle school and you hit it. You you got everything you, you wanted, at, you know, that you said that you wanted. And you did it, you know, before two decades had gone by. And then you had the maturity to realize that was fun. That's not what I want to do, you know, until I'm retiring. You know, you Mm -hmm. want to do something else in your life. And um, so I know at this point, you know, you got into, um, you know, so for the sake of length, you know, we won't we won't go into all the details. But uh, you got into uh, teaching, going back to grad school. And then you and Carrie started writing. And um, and I know you guys have done some other plays, but, you know, my connection to you is the Collins Boy, so we're going to focus on that. So I thought to lead us into this segment, um, we're going to hear a few words from the lead actress of Collins Boy.
4: Hi, Um, I absolutely adore Brad and Carrie, and I love working with them. I'd known Brad for years, and when he said that they were writing this show and these songs with my voice in mind, I was just blown away and so happy that they wanted me to be a part of it. Um, Before the first big reading I did with them of the show, they actually came to my house in New Jersey, and we rehearsed the music in my dining room. And I can't even tell you how many times I literally burst into tears while singing. <laughs> As a writing team, they are so gifted at combining the lyrics and the melody and the accompaniment into this perfect storm that just hits you in such the right way and they tell the story so well and it just pulls on your heartstrings. It's it's a gift. It really is and it's a gift to be able to sing their music. And I can't wait to see what's next for the Collins boy and for the next show that they write and if they need me i'm in
2: we
0: have it on tape we (laughs) have it on tape nice that is so sweet so that was lisa howard uh and you know i may have some we may have some listeners who know who that is but just in case you don't she was the original rona lisa peretti in the 25th annual putnam county spelling bee she's also the original Clarice from silence. which is a musical that's got brought up a couple of times, oddly enough on this show. Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, I mean, she's got, she's got some, she's got some more credits out there that should check that out. She is also Christine Collins of the Collins boy. So who came up with the idea to write the Collins boy?
1: Me. Mm-hmm. I, um, well, Carrie, It was so weird, right? Carrie, like we were, we went to school for musical theater And I don't know. I don't even know what happened. I was really miserable (laughs) performing in doing musical theater, but I started songwriting. Like, So I started, like, I had this new goal where I was like, I I didn't want to be, like, a star or anything. I just wanted to write songs and, like, have people sing my songs. Right. And Carrie always wrote. And so, you know, I had said, we started just writing some songs, not musical theater at all, just (laughs) writing stuff. Right, Carrie?
2: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. But then we kind of said like we love musical theater what are we doing why don't we, why are to we write to yeah. musical theater
1: and i had always had this idea about this story i was like it sings there's something about this story that sings because right. it's it's so unbelievable what actually happened right that i feel like you can put music to it and it just elevates the astonishing events that occur and um so I said, Carrie, I have this idea about the show I had read about the story. And I had seen a film that the story was based on, too. And when I brought it up to Carrie, she was like, I am in. And we wrote our first song like that moment.
0: Right. So uh, I guess the spoiler free synopsis. I don't know, could, do you have do you have to say no spoilers on, on a true story <laughs> that people could go look? Yeah, up? I don't think you do. No. Uh, well, I mean, we'll. We'll 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 still leave it out if people really want to know and they don't want to go see the show they can go look it up. But uh, this is 19, Was it 1927? I believe. 1928. 1928. Yeah. yes, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and um, you know, Christine Collins is a switchboard operator. Uh, she is a single mom, and um, she's raising her son, uh, Walter Collins, and and Walter Collins is what ten years old? Yeah, yeah, ten yeah. years mm-hmm. old. And you know she gives him money, uh, kind of grudgingly, for him to go to the picture show, and um, that's the last time she ever sees him. And he is uh, he's abducted, and uh, you know, and well, the next time that she th- you know she's told she's going to see him, uh, the police tell him you know the police have had some problems, and they say we found your boy, and uh, it's. It's not Walter that comes off that train. And Christine knows that right away. And she says, that's not my boy. But in 1928, Los Angeles, a woman can't say that to the police, you know, especially when the police are desperate for some good publicity. And uh, so that ends up putting her into um, an asylum. (laughs) And, uh, And it's up to just a few courageous individuals to bring her story to light now one change that you guys made is there's actually there's actually more than one advocate you know for her you know there was a reporter and and actually i guess we could talk about that so some changes have been made along the way but you you did have you know you have the reporter uh which was hank and then of course you had Mm -hmm. gustav the priest and and at some point i think for just the sake of the musical just decided you know gustav was going to be like the advocate along with her Friends, you know who are who are critical to the plot, um, but you know the story. So I won't say any more about the story, but it's about all the odds that she has to go to just to find out the truth about Walter. And we won't even say like who. <laughs> it's it's not even clear who the villain is till Act Two, you know. And very late, <laughs> very very late. Um, but it it's uh so it's a mystery, but I don't really think that's as much of it as just a woman's love for her child is I, I know that's <laughs> something you guys have said over and over is that's, that's what has to hit the audience more than anything. And I know it, I know it does. Cause one thing I'll say about Lisa, I, it is a tremendous challenge for her to sing this show without crying because she is a mother in real life. And, um, and Carrie, were you a mom when you started writing the show? Yes. Uh, so that probably affected your songs. Uh, so when you guys collaborate, I, I get the impression that a lot of the melody ideas probably come from Carrie, but am I wrong about that? Brad, do you, uh, I, I, Brad, I, I kind of feel like you've got some of the, you got a few more of the words, but do you guys switch on that every now and then? Or.
1: Yeah, we, it, I mean, Carrie is always the one behind the keys. Cause I don't really know how to play the piano very well, but um, for sure. No, we, it, I don't know, Carrie, we, we switch off a lot. Like, sometimes I'm like, no, 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 no. I know it, it goes like this. It goes like this. And I sing it to her. And then she clunks it out. And then sometimes she's like, I just cannot, I couldn't stop writing this song. Here, take it. What do you think? And I might hear a melody. And sometimes we write entire things and don't ever hear the music. You know I mean? It's it's just different. What would you say, Kara?
2: Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I think we've had a few times um, on this show, particularly, where we have, like, Brad will and it could be either Brad sends me the lyrics or Brad has a melody kicking around in his head or vice versa. Like I'll have the lyrics for melody and like, we'll send it to the other person. And I mean, it, we should also say we are, we live many, 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 many States apart. (laughs) So this entire project, except for a few, you know, random weeks and weekends have been done, you know, um, virtually. And Mm. so, um, yeah, I think like, like, he will send me something and I'll completely hear it in my brain and then write it, send it back. And he's like, that's exactly what I heard. Or like, we've been very much on the same page. And I think really worked in tandem in terms of lyrics and melody. Um, Yeah.
0: What was the first song you guys wrote for the show? Mm -hmm. It was, it actually
1: is no longer a
0: part of (laughs) it.
2: But it (laughs) might be coming back. It might be coming back in a version.
1: Right. Right. But Was, was that it?
2: the first song? Who are you?
1: I no. thought was that the first song. Who are you? I thought the first song was the original end of the show. Am I wrong? Well,
2: I don't know. I thought it was Who Are You. Who
1: Who Are You is one of the first songs we wrote, though. Um, yeah, we just we and we didn't know what the hell we were doing, David. We right. had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we just knew we loved musicals, and so we oh god, we wrote some clunkers, man. <laughs> I mean, we, and we would write it and be like oh my god this is brilliant this is brilliant <laughs> and it, and then we would revisit it the next day and be like oh no <laughs> <laughs> and you know that just happens but i think right. we have really um since we started this i guess like six years ago wow it's weird to even think right um i really think that we have become smarter writers and mm-hmm. um We don't just write to write. We try to write with real conviction always with the melody and with the, you know, we, we want them to go hand in hand.
0: Right. And the lyrics. So, um, so this became a show and what was the first thing you did with it? You had a table reading, I believe, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Our first reading was at, um, in a barn (laughs) small barn near in Bucks County called the Prowlsville mill. And nice. we had about five people in the audience.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> nice. And the cast size of the the people that were reading the, the show was larger than the audience itself.
0: But, are you counting you, know, you and I are you counting the farm sorry. animals?
4: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Might have been a few. But we had people reading parts, but you and I sang everything, Carrie. Right. We sang
2: everything. Yep, that's right. Yep, Brad and I sang everything and we had a yeah, and it was only the first act, because that's right. all we had so far. Right. And um, we actually got like a lot of great feedback. That was our first reading. Um, a lot of great feedback that we've. Um, it inspired us to change some of the um, music and lyrics, and it's it stuck. It, it's still there today. So.
1: Yeah, I'm um, like, for instance, lo- uh, losing my mind, which I know you know, David, which is right. a, I think a really great song on the show. But when we wrote it, we had the la- nicest lady in the audience. She was just like, I just didn't feel like she was actually losing her mind. So we were like, Oh. Hmm, okay well and so then we started to add in those background vocals because you know christine sings lead and then you hear like the voices in her head and what she's thinking and that was the thing that kind of went okay i think now it's, now it sounds like she's actually going crazy she right. can't find her son
0: right nice so where, when did we get to the point where you guys said i need an we need an arranger?
1: well early on we were like who's gonna do this we don't do this we don't know how to do this we're we're the creatives we don't know how to notate and um I don't really remember when we decided that we
2: needed it but I I remember actually I I know how to notate and I started to try to notate that's when I was like oh right no I can't do this fast enough to and and accurately enough Mm -hmm. um and I need help and right. that yeah, and we also help. have
1: full-time jobs outside of our writing this you know
2: yeah okay and so it was pretty early on that we found you David
1: <laughs> so yes it's... I mean we we were actually we had, you, we always had our, our our goals were like huge. we were like we're gonna have a reading in New York and so <laughs> we planned the reading and we were like, we have no music to give the actors. What are we gonna do <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and, uh... and that's really where you entered the picture and you randomly were, I was, this is crazy. I was choreographing Tarzan at a high school in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I was said to the director, oh, we're doing this reading in New York. Do you want to be in it? That's the way that we've always done this. We were like, you want to be in our show? Come be in our show. And he was like, really? I'm like, yeah. And I said, it sucks because we really need an arranger for this piece. And we have no money. Um, (laughs) We don't know how we're going to do this. And he's like, I know a guy named David Lane. And that's when I reached out to you. Right. And you should tell everybody like what happened. What was that like for well, you. So,
0: so let's just go ahead and give a shout out. Justin Bulla, thank you for <laughs> bringing thank you, us Justin. together. Um, I brought up 2015 production, High Point of Oklahoma, a lot on this show, which was my first show conducting from a pit. And Justin was the director. And I also mm-hmm. did some kind of uh, review type shows that, you know, a couple with him around the same time. He's also been an actor and uh, a show I did in 2014. So we we had we did quite a bit of work for over about a two year period. I, ironically, we haven't really done anything since uh, 2015, Oklahoma. But you know, still stay in touch. And uh, yeah, he first gave me a heads up, and then you email, uh, and then you Brad emailed me after that. And I and I remember I uh, my audition for you guys was I took the song Who Are You, which is not in the show at the moment, and. I took the song shame and I just, re- I just arranged it. I put, I wrote it, I transcribed it and then I wrote a piano part. And I think you guys took, took it to a pianist and had them play it. Cause, cause I think one of the things that you told me early on is, you know, you, you want a bigger piano part. You want to, you want the show, you, you want to take the show from where you guys had it and made it, make it bigger. And, um, my role though beyond that though it's like well what do you need for the reading so i didn't do anything with the piano i didn't do any transcription of solos all i did was write stuff for the ensemble like take the harmonies you guys gave on your demo and flesh them out and and send those you know as quickly as we as it could um and and, and yeah you guys didn't have any money my payment was, uh, says, well, we have a reading in New York and, you know, we'll, we'll pay for you to come up to, to do that. And I had never been to New York. So, uh, at, at that time, and I was like, who knows when I'll go to New York. (laughs) I was like, this is, yeah, I'll certainly at the very least do the harmonies for this show and come see it. And, um, I don't know if it was just seeing the passion, just seeing the actors. I mean, like if we just compare that show to two thousand. Nineteen. I'm not sure how many actors were in common with that. I think maybe two, two or three. Not, mm-hmm. not very many. You know, it's it's changed. Uh, you know, since then. But you know, I I certainly saw the potential of the show, and uh, and I think that's when we kind of sat down and just negotiated. You know, what my role would be going forward, and that's when I guess I be- officially became the arranger. You know, of the show, and uh, it's gone on since then so so i guess the next thing we did was uh 2017 like first week of the year um we 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 did a recording demo to try to do some things and of course it's it's kind of funny to listen to that recording demo now because almost none of the songs sound the way they do now (laughs) i know i know i mean but it's good quality (laughs) it's just not the same thing
1: (laughs) It's interesting being in this pandemic. David Kerry and her are like, we will never spend thousands of dollars to do demos again because you can do really great demos without all that. But we didn't know, you know. It, right. it, this whole thing's been a learning curve.
0: Right. But I mean, it was it was a fun experience, and uh, and then uh, so 2017. I think I feel like this is the year that. The Collins Boy really started to take off because you started off with the recording session just to kind of get some things going, and then we had two things that summer. So the very first one was the a workshop at the Orbit Academy, which is uh, Brad, where he, you know was found co-founded uh, by your husband Tony, mm-hmm. and uh, is that and you're you're a big part of that now, right? Since you yeah moved. or.
1: Orbit Arts Academy here in Sandy Springs, uh, Georgia.
0: Yeah. So we, uh, we workshopped that for a couple of weeks and, um, I feel like there were still a few piano parts I had not written. No, I, I remember what happened as I, they got written while I was there because I remember I was in a <laughs> hotel room down the road and it's like, I still did not have, did not have an accompaniment, uh, for little boys, you mm-hmm. know, which, which really needed one. And, uh, <laughs> That I remember staying up to like one in the morning, till <laughs> add to you know after we had worked you know ten to five. <laughs> it's like I I took like a break and uh came back at seven thirty and yeah we're, we're I remember I had like an Atlanta Braves game on in the background and <laughs> and and the whole game went by. From start to finish including like extra innings and <laughs> and i was still finishing up on that but uh but i think that was really we didn't like make major changes to the show it was just kind of hearing what it sounded like and uh then we had our first reading uh in new york you know i mean i our first reading with the compliment and i think by that point i guess in between the shows i added a cellist yeah, yeah, that that was right. Yeah, we did have a a cellist for for that production. So the and and so that was when we brought in Lisa for the first time, right? Well, I mean, well, mm-hmm. well no, I guess it's not true. Lisa was in the in the demo recordings. Yeah, she was in the recordings,
1: but it was the first time she was acting, you know, doing the part. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, and that was a, that was a stage read. I mean, that's pretty much that's what we've done so far, stage readings although you know 2019 we you know some of the actors were getting the scripts out of their hands but this was like proper stage readings music stands you know the whole right. time and everything everybody was kind of in place it wasn't a lot of you know true acting you know in terms of like blocking and and all that mm-hmm. Um but uh, you know that was an incredible experience but i'm gonna let you guys come back to the story now because after that, 2017 experience, I don't think you guys even had 24 hours of celebration on that. I, I think you guys came out of that a little down. We did. Yeah. So what we, happened?
1: <laughs> I, re, I remember sitting with you, Carrie, and we were like holding each other, and like, we weren't like smiling, and we weren't crying, and we weren't. Right. We were just like, I remember just holding you tight. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. How, what do you remember?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Also, very vividly. But it just felt like something was was
1: wrong. Something was wrong.
2: Yeah, like the pacing of it, or we weren't really quite sure. We just knew something didn't feel right. And, you know, like the magic of it was something was wrong.
1: And of course, this was like the first time very important people were in the room. I mean, Mm -hmm. there were major Broadway producers in the room. And we were like shoot this is this
3: <laughs> just is not
1: like that. That's
2: yeah the, came out of your mouth that
1: like is this. definitely not the word shoot. that came out of my mouth but i thought let's be pg on this but right. we just knew we didn't know what was wrong but we knew we were like disappointed and you were going away on a trip like the, right. next day, Carrie. the next day the
2: next day yep right. We went away, and then. so
1: we didn't even get to like really talk to each other about how we felt um it was it was very it was so necessary though because what we what came out of that reading was the thing that had been missing in our show the whole time
0: right which we now that's a bit of a spoiler we won't say yes. that. yeah we can't yeah, we, we can't talk about that. that right uh no but you guys did a lot more than the thing we won't talk about that would be you know a bit of a, a bit of a teaser a bit of a spoiler uh that really elevates the show to, to make it incredible uh, you streamline the show because it was quite a quite a long. Sh- I mean, it was probably at least two hours, you know, running mm-hmm. time. Uh, which you know, you know, there's a lot of shows that are two hours, but it's different if the if it's kind of a, a light-hearted <laughs> material. This is this show will put you through the ringer. I mean, I've done a lot of shows now, and you know, I've asked Jennifer, my wife, who's attended a couple of these readings, uh, you know, to cr- kind of corroborate it really chews you up and spits you out is kind of what I would say that the show does as far as emotions uh not in a bad way it's like you go through this moment kind of like any great tv drama you know you know something Mm -hmm. uh or any or any kind of a movie or any kind of a drama where there's just some heavy stakes and some heavy emotions and it's like and you feel that and the music is, is that, uh, the performances that you're getting from Lisa and that you're getting from Russell, that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and everybody else, that's part of it. Also your book and just the, the story itself, but where it leads, you know, it's, it's like, you still feel hopeful at the end, but it's, um, but you had a lot of, I think you had a lot of filler, before that Mm -hmm. and and i think you had some you had some scenes that you determined that weren't in the right place you know like there's some scenes with uh that songs that feature the policeman that weren't in the right spot compared to you Mm -hmm. know everything else and so and and of course the other thing is, is a lot of songs got caught got a lot got uh, rewritten. And, and I, I feel like that's where I got particularly busy (laughs) because you had a little, you had a little thing in 2018. I mean, it was, it was a reading that I couldn't be a part of, so I don't really know how that went, but you had something in early 2000, I think it was early 2018, um, in New York. And it it was the first time you had done the new version, but I don't, but I don't even know if it was the new version or just like a transitional version
1: (laughs) it was i mean yeah it's so hard to like talk about it without talking about it but yeah it we we implemented this new um framework of our show and that re. and we wanted to just because we were like if this if this doesn't work we have to know this doesn't work if this doesn't work we have to know and what we came away with was like yeah i think this works i think this works so we kept we went back to the drawing board Keeping this new idea for our show in mind, this new framework of our show in mind, and then we um, we were up for the Eugene O'Neill Center's National Music Theatre Conference. We were semifinalists for that for the Collins boy yeah and then I had applied i before I was even living in Atlanta, I applied for the Atlanta Musical Theatre Festival for us well we we applied and we got chosen as finalists and that's when when we really really got to see the show and see if it worked or not. And boy, right. did, does it work. So, we for uh, so sure.
0: before we talk about the Atlanta musical theater festival, let's hear from the lead uh, actor of our, of our show, our lead, our lead male actor, Russell Fisher. And <laughs> this is what he had to say about the Atlanta musical theater festival.
3: Working on the Collins boy was one of the most challenging, rewarding and exhilarating experiences I've had as an actor with only one week in August to put this staged presentation on its feet, it definitely felt like theater camp. <laughs> A true collaborative effort. Every single person devoted themselves to sharing this gripping, beautiful, true story. The Atlanta Music Theater Festival was so supportive and nurturing in giving us the time and space to explore this new work together, and our creative team championed us through the process leading with grit, grace, and gratitude.
0: So nice. Aww. nice. Russell, uh, Russell has been Well, you knew Russell from uh, Jersey Boys, right?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Russell is, Broadway has not fully appreciated Russell yet. He is, his his devotion to his character is amazing. I mean, he is a method actor. He gets into the role. And um, I just remember, you know, for the 2017 reading, it's like he, I think he even got a haircut, you know, period haircut for that. And mm-hmm. just, I was just—I was really impressed with that. And but he's had a lot of light roles, and he's done—he sings with the Doo-Wop Project, and that goes all around the world and plays with orchestras, and it's just you know fun, happy, you know '50s style music. Uh, but he's got some serious dramatic chops, and really gets to explore it in *The Collins Boy*. And uh, Russell, so talented.
2: I, I, I just want to speak to Russell for a second because. Sure. I am a creature of habit, (laughs) fault. To say the least. I do not like change. I'm very, I can be very stuck in my ways, especially with (laughs) creative things. And Brad, up to that point, had played the role of Gordon Northcott, who Russell played. And, Mm. you know, I mean, yes, I'm biased because I love Brad, but in my opinion, there was no one who could play that role other than Brad. Right. And I made that very clear to Brad. <laughs> and and Brad was like, I, I'm telling you Russell can do it. And I love Russell. And I was just hesitant. I was like, I I it's gotta be you. This is how I feel. And then I saw Russell and he's just he was he's amazing. He really he right. he I changed my tune and I, I I said, Okay, somebody else can play this role. And uh, yeah, he was, he's phenomenal. I, love I
1: mean, there, he's got a voice that like people don't understand how gifted he is as a singer. He can sing. I mean, it, the odd thing, and I know you know this, David, about our music is that, I mean, I'm a very much of a baritone, but I can scream some crazy tenor notes. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, like Gordon Northcott's role sings literally in the basement of a man's voice and then literally at the top of a man's voice. And Russell does it so incredibly well.
0: Right. Uh, You know, so I'm going to ask just a hardball question just based on something Carrie just said. So, um, And it's probably more to Carrie than it is to Brad, but, you know, like when I came on board, um, you know, I don't know how many years had gone by, like, Carrie, that you had been playing the, the piano accompaniment as you had it in your head. And the first thing that I did was, of course, in the interest of making it bigger, but I started changing some things. So, like, how how was that as a writer? I mean, how how long did it take you to get accustomed to just hearing what you had transform and be something different? I know that couldn't have been comfortable.
2: <laughs> That's an interesting question. Actually, it was very comfortable.
0: Okay, so comfortable. I
2: I I love playing piano. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. This I started off this podcast by saying how the piano is like a part of me and always will be. Mm-hmm. But I am a, I am a piano player in, in a very specific way. I play because right. I write what 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 feels good for me and what feels good for me emotionally and also what feels good for my hands. Right. And um and I'm not trained. I'm not a trained pianist uh, um, nearly like you are. And when I, you know, wrote some of this music on the for the piano, I, I couldn't never have imagined it sounding as amazing as you've made it so i was more than happy to pass along my you know pretty basic accompaniment to you who just made it i mean just
1: transformed it you 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 took it and transformed it. it no
2: it's I mean, unreal. Right. It's, it's, yeah, you,
1: you just elevated. You took our dreams and you like made
0: it happen. Oh uh, yeah. You, well, your material yeah. was very easy to do that with. So that, that was. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I, I've enjoyed every bit of it. And then you know who knows. 2019 was the last thing we that we've done with this show uh, because nothing happened with any show in 2020, unfortunately. Right. Um, and we have not uh, just for this you know to be forthcoming with the listeners. We this is our first time talking about this in a very long time. We have not talked about what's what's next. So we're we're gonna like we're recording this on in early April. This will be coming out in mid May. But we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But before we before I do that, let's just hear from one more person from the cast.
2: It's so fun.
3: Hello, this is Tony Galdi, and I have been involved with Collins Boy since the very, 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 very beginning. Because I am married to Brad, um, so I've been involved since the beginning, hearing it, listening to it, doing demos of it, doing readings of it. I played Reverend Brigleb in a few readings of it, and then with the Atlanta Musical Theater Festival. And they are impossible to work with. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. They're very difficult. Um, no, they're amazing. And I'm so proud of them and, and uh, everything they've done. So, yeah, good for you, too. I can't wait to see what happens with this show. Um, all right. I love you both. All right. That's sweet. Oh, I
2: love these. It's so
3: fun.
1: <laughs> right, you know, I know I, it's it's like that old show, like someone from your life, and you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> that's what it feels like.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: just
0: just a just a quick. So Tony Gaudi, uh, you know, he now he's had some Broadway experience that you guys met on Wicked, but he was in Starlight Express. He was in Marion Max for the like training for. Uh, I mean, the not what he called the workshop for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did the,
1: the, uh, the world premiere of it, the production in Canada.
0: Yeah right. Yeah, so he's and, and, and both of you guys are kind of similar. It's like Broadway was fun. Uh, but I think you know, at various points you guys said we want to do something else. And he started the Orbit Arts Academy in Atlanta. And, and I just go ahead and say that uh, you guys are doing tremendous work there. I've, we've got a few similar places up here. And what you have down there is at least every bit as good. And, and the kids there are all wonderful. You know, it's like, And that's just reflection on the teachers that you guys are and the, and the ones that you've carefully recruited to help work with these kids. Thank you, David. So, guys, what you know, as we sit here on April... What do we think is next? What what, what do we hope is next? <laughs> I hope
1: theater just comes back quickly. Right. I was just saying this the other day, you know, you can go and you can do anything else in the world right now with a mask and except go to the theater. And it feels I think it's time. I think that, you know, that people are being vaccinated. I'm so grateful and blessed to be vaccinated. You know, all those actors in New York. I mean, not how many friends of mine have left their careers behind because of this? It's just been a horrific thing. Mm. And theater is one of the oldest art forms and we need it back. And so for me, right. I'm just believing that. I mean, I, I, I do have a few friends right now that are doing productions that are, you know, they're following every protocol, but they are doing productions and I'm just looking forward to it. You know, I, I can't wait to sit in a Broadway house and cry my eyes out again. A theater in general, and cry my eyes out again.
0: What do we think? Yeah. What do we think is going to happen with the Collins Boy next? Are we? Are we going uh, to? I know it's still got some. Well, I mean, it's still got a lot of life left. Um, we are we going to just see what kind of festivals or workshops are available and for the next step? I, I can say from what I'm doing is we we've had uh, two readings with pianists and and a cellist, and I am halfway done adding a drum book i am through the song called be quiet so you know basically act one (laughs) as we would we would call it and um so i'll finish that and then i'll add a bass book and then eventually and i probably won't do anything else till we've had a reading And then eventually there'll be a second keyboard book. It'll be a five, you know, this is life in the pit. There'll be a five piece pit. So we've had two piece pits so far and we'll eventually have a five piece. So, but what do you get, you know, what are you guys, if you're, if you're just thinking, you know, this is probably what we'll try to do once theater opens back up again, what kind of options do you think you'll try to explore first?
2: Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, right when we first got on this, uh, this call tonight, both Brad and I said, you know, we, we miss seeing the three of us <laughs> miss being together. And I think I, you know, we're, we're, we're such a good team. And I think that Collins boy, you know, has legs. And mm-hmm. I think that um, I would love personally, I would love to see it in a workshop again, um, back on its feet and make whatever necessary changes are, need to happen and just push push on keep going with it you know and see where it goes I mean we've had such a you know a horrific standstill in theater and um
1: yeah I I think our dream has always been I just want to see a full production I want to see I don't care where it is or what it is I want to see the costumes I want to see the set I want to see the the choreography I want to see you know, we got really close to that in Atlanta. I mean, that was a, that was a pretty, it was a staged uh, production, but, you know, they still, you know, it, it was still kind of a reading, but a very staged production with some choreography, but that's my dream.
2: Right. Because
1: I know, I know that at the end of the day, people are going to be moved by this story. I know it. For sure. I know it. Right. And, um, and I want to, I want, I want the legacy of Christine Collins and Walter Collins to not be forgotten.
0: Right. Yes. and you, and you guys, and you know we'll, we'll briefly just talk about some of your other projects, but you know there I think there are two types of writers in theater and, and there there are the writers that approach it with art in mind first, or I should say like first and foremost, and then there are those that's like, I want to write what people come buy a ticket for what I think people come buy a ticket for. And, uh, a lot of, I'd say it's probably about half the shows that are on Broadway at any given time. It's like, these are crowd pleasers. These are, yeah, and it's not to say they're not good shows, but you know, they weren't, they weren't written with, for the reason that I think that you guys have done your shows. You know, it's like, I think you, you guys are solely intent on telling an original story. Uh, that has not been brought before. (laughs) And, um, and I think that shows, and that may be the type of thing, you know, that Broadway may, you know, may not appreciate. But as I think you kind of implied, you know, with your experience in Chicago compared to New York, don't think it has to be. I think, uh, you know, I think there are good theaters, uh, you know, and it's one of the things I try to explore in life of the pit uh, in this podcast is, Talking to people all around the world, because there's great theater everywhere, and I think who know if it's whether it's Atlanta or wherever, you know I think there this is going to be a great production. Whoever decides to take the step to put it on when when it's ready, when we've got the full ensemble, the pit, and you know we're we're at the point where we say okay, uh, you know there's always changes you can make, but but this is good enough for production now. Whenever Mm -hmm. we reach that point, so uh you know hope hopefully at some point uh so i'm just going to go ahead and say i hope we get it on stage before this podcast runs out of episodes and i've retired so because because i i want to have you guys back on for a celebration episode when it finally gets in production we'll just go ahead and make make hey. that proclamation now
1: We'd love well that. it's
0: gonna happen yeah.
1: i i think we've always believed it's gonna happen right it mm-hmm. just it's not going to go the way we think it's going to go. Maybe it will one day, but it won't. the The journey is not going to be what we expect.
0: No, it seldom is. Uh, let's just talk briefly. Uh, the Collins Boy is not our only collaboration. We have worked together on a short little film called Gretel and Hansel with our uh, our good friend Alex. And uh, Alex Preston he's a filmmaker, and for his thesis film, for uh, Scad, uh, yeah, Scad, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. asked you guys to write the songs and i I think you guys wrote a lot of songs and eventually uh (laughs) i think it at the i think he had an and it was going to be like a 25 30 minute musical at least and it got scaled way down it's basically a it's basically a trailer for a possible feature you know it's it's a short film but it but it's like a it's like a long trailer it's like maybe an eight nine minute film i think you know at this point uh so there's only two songs in it but uh alex has been sharing that film festivals all around the world we've we've been we've won an award we won (laughs) a global music award what the heck i know uh i know we got best music at one festival so yeah so a couple yeah a couple awards that we have won for that and uh you know who knows he might that might transform into something that might be something else that we can do Uh, But then you guys, you like writing musicals. What are some of the other musicals you guys uh, have written or are working on currently?
1: Well, we, pandemic hit and, you know, there was no theater. And, um, you know, we couldn't even keep working on The Collins Boy because we had, we could work on it. But we, you know, we couldn't get together. We couldn't sing with people. We couldn't. And um, and Carrie, you want to talk about what happened and what led us to our next project?
2: Um, so my dad passed away in November, uh, Mm -hmm. in 2019 and it was, um, my dad was a huge, huge figure in my life. Amazing, incredible man. And I was shattered Mm -hmm. completely. Um, I couldn't write, I couldn't think, I couldn't do anything. I was very stifled creatively and, um, Brad was like, we should, you got to, Music has always healed you. and and let's let's start writing. And um,
1: and I was like, and we need to start writing about this grief. Like, let's get you out of this by diving into it. Yeah, that's basically what happened.
2: That's very, very true. yeah. and it was it was kind of terrifying. And then it became very cathartic. And the reason I think I was struggling so much is because grief is really, not something that people talk about a whole lot. It's kind of hidden and you kind of go through your grief alone, um, or your best friend or a couple of people. And so we wanted to write a show about, about grief so that people could talk about it out loud. And, um, Mm. that's, that's how,
1: that's what we did. We, uh, I, you know, I watched a whole lot of TV (laughs) (laughs) over the course of this pandemic. And I watched a show called dead to me. And, Mm -hmm. um, the very beginning—it's a fabulous show if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious, a dark comedy. It's so good, but um, it was set in a grief group,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like that was the opening. Like this girl going, this woman going to a grief group because she had her husband had died. And I said, you know, like why don't we write a musical set in a grief group? Like let's just see what happens. And we actually we started, we kind of came up. We had all these characters that we we just sat down and came up with characters, and then. We started writing the opening number and a few other things. And then Carrie just like, she just like, couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So we took like three months off and then we dove back in and we dove so far in that we wrote the whole rest of the thing (laughs) and like, what, four months. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And yeah, it's called a million pieces and it's, it's a cast of eight that play a total of 23 characters. Oh wow. And, um, it's it's all these people dealing with different facets of grief and and although it's incredibly sad, it's really funny. Right. And and I think it's I can't wait for you to hear it, David. I, I when we do the next reading, I can't wait for you to hear it. Because it's we when we did the first Zoom reading, because we right. haven't been able to be in person, what what was the response, Kara?
2: Oh yeah. I mean I think everybody unfortunately can relate to grief in a way and people are like whoa this is it's powerful Mm -hmm. you know it's powerful in like collins boy is powerful too and like you 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 were kind of talking about this a little bit david before like Mm -hmm. i don't think brad and i write typically write theater that is like maybe a crowd pleaser right (laughs) Right. (laughs) but like i both of us both brad and i for me, it would be like I want to go to theater and I know Brad does, too, where you feel something. I right. want to be moved. I want to i am happy to cry my eyes out and I want to talk about it. And I want to, you know, I, I want to feel it. And it's
1: so, real. It's real. You know, yeah.
2: and I think I think Collins, Boy and pieces have the have that in common for sure. Like You are going to be moved to tears. You're going to laugh. You're going to want to talk about it afterwards. You know, and I think that that's what we want that's 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 our the, goal that's art
1: our goal for this show too it's it's a one act piece um mm-hmm. it's about 95 minutes right maybe mm-hmm. but what when and we hope to get this show produced too but part of part of the show is when the show ends the cast then they bow and then they get a microphone and they invite everybody in the audience to talk about their own grief mm. and their own loss and their you know, or what the show made them feel or, you know, the struggles they've been having after losing someone that they loved. And I think that that's talk about healing. And so you can see something that makes you feel something. And then you might be able to stand up in front of people and, and just say how you feel. Cause some people feel like they can't share their grief because they feel like they're bothering people. Right. And that should not be the case, you know?
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I I think, you know, the, the show that, uh, that always crosses my mind that shows what's possible without being a crowd pleaser um would be next to normal Mm. and i -hmm. have never thought of a way to explain i'm next to normal is the is my favorite production that i have music directed you know in a local theater setting but i've never come up with a way to encourage someone to come see it it's like you know trying to think (laughs) of how do i describe the show without giving away spoilers that makes it sound like something anybody would want to see. And I and and I was I had to hear the music first before I before I was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to music direct that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but you know it's just one of those things that uh you know you talk about grief, it can be done. It can be made in such a way that people want to come to hear that, be a part of that. So yeah, I look forward to just that's another show we'll watch and see how it develops and yeah uh well guys thank you uh and i know, I know I, it's hard to get both of you guys together probably a little easier now since theater's not back but <laughs> you know uh hopefully we'll all be very busy with that again soon but um it's so great great to talk about it i was honored to i knew that i wanted you guys on the 50th episode because um i don't think i'm doing this podcast or a lot of things in theater i, I I may have lost interest in theater without the Collins mm-hmm. boy. Um, you know, I Aww. mean, I feel like you and I are kind of similar, Brad, in that uh, you know we. I I think our patience is kind of, <laughs> you know, it has a it has a limited lifeline. Like we don't want to be doing the same thing, all the yeah. time. And and I think I might have been wanting to move on. And if I hadn't had you know this different perspective and you know worked on such a great show and still have, you know stuff to do with it you know it's like there's still things to do with that show oh yeah um so if I wasn't still doing theater I don't think I would be doing a podcast about (laughs) pit musicians uh but it's uh so it it's just so fitting to have you guys on for episode number 50 glad you could be could join me today
2: oh we're so honored so honored completely
0: completely honored we love you.
2: you yeah love you David thank you
0: And that wraps up episode number 50. I truly hope that you enjoyed listening to this as much as Brad, Carrie, and myself love talking about it, as much as we love working on this project, and hope that this is something that you're going to be able to follow and hear news about in the not-too-distant future. If there's any questions you might have after listening to this episode that we didn't make clear um, about writing a musical, developing it, getting it into workshops, getting it into festivals, what an arranger does, anything at all, uh, please feel free to send me a message, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, or uh, through the website at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. If I can't answer it, uh, then I will forward it to Brad and Carrie, and I know that they will be happy to answer as well. Well, it's been, it's been great fun getting to episode 50, but we're not stopping there. This podcast will continue with an episode each Friday, so stay tuned for May 28th. I'll be bringing you episode number 51. As a reminder, to be sure of what's coming up next, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter and Facebook at David M Lane Music. And as always, a special thanks to Mark Perollo for his cover art. And to Bill Sissna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about the podcast, leave feedback or leave a donation at slash podcast Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app and please share with your friends. Thank you for listening.